Before you sit down, look at your neighbor and tell them hello. Tell them good, you're glad to see them. I know you did it once already. Do it again. Whoever you didn't say hi to the last time, say hi to somebody else. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. I tell you what, sometimes the way Dave Moxie says some things, I tell you what, I just, it just, I, I can feel the power of the mighty name of Jesus when Dave Moxie says it. So uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, my name is, is Adam Harold, and uh, my incredible wife Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this community that we call the Refuge Church. We do it together as a team. And so if you're visiting with us for the first time, if you take out that card in front of you and fill it out, I want to send you a thank you card in the mail just to say thank you. Uh, you're never more generous than when you share your time. I, I always say that. I'll say it till uh, the day I die, that you're never more generous than when you share your time. And the reason for that is because you can always get more resources. You can always get more, more money. You can never get more time. And, uh, and so thank you so much for sharing your most valuable resource with us. And uh, I just want to send you a card in the mail to say, uh, to say thank you. Uh, this morning, I'm excited because not only are we launching small groups this, this morning, so that means what that means is if a small group that meets on Monday that you want to go to, uh, if tomorrow's Monday, then it's that day, right? So... Um, I know it's rocket science, but um, you can go, you know, so uh, refugemain.church slash groups. You can find all of our small groups. We're doing something uh, new this year with, uh, or this semester with our small groups. And uh, all of our st normally study-based groups, uh, we're transforming those into what I call sermon-based groups, uh, where we're discussing the sermon that we talk about on Sunday we're carrying on the message, and so if you can't be here on Sunday, got good news for you. You can go to a small group and find out what we talked about, and uh, it's a it's it's going to be small groups are going to take it to a next level uh, this semester. Um, but the other thing that we're launching is 21 days of prayer, and uh, I just I love 21 days of prayer season um, in September, <laughs> not so much in January, like Dave said. Uh, it's a little easier, a little warmer uh, when we get up in the morning, uh, but also uh, in, in January, we'll emphasize prayer and fasting. We don't necessarily emphasize fasting in September, but we emphasize seeking God however you need to, and so um, it's going to be uh, an amazing 21 days, uh, and, and to do all that, we're starting a new series this morning that we're calling White Flag. White flag. It's all about surrender. I told our team this morning, uh, hold on to your seats, buckle your seatbelts, because we're talking about surrender in the middle of 21 days of prayer. So um, for you believers that have, have followed Jesus for a little while, you get that. You understand. When you talk about surrender while you seek God, that's a, that's a scary place to be. Um, are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? It's a scary place to be. It can, it can be. However... You know if you follow Jesus that it can be the, the best place to be, the place of, of asking God, what do I need to surrender during the, this time that I seek you? And uh, it's going to be awesome. And so there's four parts to this series uh, that we're beginning this morning. But 
Uh, it's not going to take us four weeks. It's actually going to take us five weeks. And the reason isn't because I'm going on vacation again, all right? It's not that I'm going on vacation again. It's that uh, we're going to have a guest speaker uh, in a couple weeks on September 25th. When we do baptisms, we're going to have a guest speaker uh, by the name of Luke Walters. And so if you've been a part of the Refuge Church for any amount of time, you know that Luke Walters uh, has spoken at the Refuge probably. Um, so um, I've obviously spoken here the most. My wife has spoken here the second most. Luke Walters has spoke, spoken here the third most. And so I think it's about the third or fourth, about the fourth or fifth time that he's spoken here. And uh, he loves you. He loves the Refuge Church. And the reason I know he, I, like we know he loves us is because um, the last time that he communicated for the Refuge, we were outside in the parking lot uh, setting up and tearing down. At this particular time, it was probably... Uh, it might have been, you know what, he always comes around September because he likes to hunt bears. So he comes to Maine in September to go bear hunting. This last time was really fun, though, because he was like, hey, I felt like God was, was telling me that I needed to spend more time with you. So I'm not going bear hunting. I'm just coming to be with you. And, and so uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so uh, he'll be here communicating. He loves us. And uh, I, I just... And, and I love him. He leads a ministry called Map 1040, uh, the 1040 window. Um, if, you, if you've been around church at all, especially churches that emphasize missions, uh, the 1040 window is the area of the world. It's the la- is it latitude and longitude. I'm, gonna, I'm over my head now, Adam. Abort, abort, abort. Um, it's the part of the world. It's the part of the world. That, uh, that is least reached for Jesus. Like, they don't know the most. Like, and so we call it the, the 1040 window. And so he, um, he leads that ministry, and it's, uh, and it's phenomenal what he does. He has a heart for, for the church. He has a heart for Israel. Um, he, loves, like, he loves to go to he He asks me every year, are you going to go to Israel this year? Are you going to go to Israel this year? Are you going to? I'm not going this year. Maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe next but I'm going to go at some point, and it's going to probably be with him. He is an absolute fun guy, and uh, he's my favorite, one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. So this uh, White Flag series that we're doing has four parts. Today we're going to talk about the proof, the proof of surrender. Like, so, so the Apostle Paul talks about these three, uh, three different types of people, three people that show us that it is possible to live in surrender and what that looks like. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at God's word, uh, and, and it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to tell a lot of fun stories this morning, but we're going to look at God's word. We're going to dissect it. We're going to chew on it. We're going um, to grow from it, and it's, and it's going to be a, a, a really fun time. All right. So I almost say uh, beneficial or, or growing time. That's up to you. That's not up to me. So uh, you get to decide if it's going to help you grow or not. Um, the se- second week, we're going to talk about uh, the problem of surrender, uh, why so many people struggle with surrender. What is it that we struggle with? And uh, I joked around in the first service that uh, everyone was sitting there going, okay, so I won't be here that week. <laughs> I don't want to hear about why I don't surrender. Uh, you know, I know why I don't surrender, but we're going to talk about God's word and how what what the what the problem of surrender is. 
Uh, and then the, second, the third week, we're going to talk about the process, the process of surrender and what, that, what, what it looks like to actually surrender our lives. And then the fourth week, we're going to talk about the progress. We always, like, we, we want to know, what does this benefit me? How am I going to benefit? How am I going to grow? How is it going to uh, progress? Like, how am I going to progress because of my surrender? And I said, that's the week that we're all going to want to go to, right? Because we want to know, we want to know the, the good stuff. We don't always want to know the hard stuff. But you're not going to benefit from the good stuff unless you know the hard stuff. And so I encourage you all to be here next week when we talk about the problem of surrender. And uh, it's going to be hopefully a, a, a great series. So this morning, turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And um, if you want to follow along in today's uh, notes, you can do so in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, the screen to my right and left will tell you how to download the YouVersion Bible app and how to uh, get those, those notes from there. It can be a little tricky. So I'm really excited about what I feel like God began to be. A couple weeks ago, he, I'm sitting down with my friend Brian, um, and and. I felt like God began to, to reveal some things in his word to me that, that we can grow in about surrender. And so before we read God's word this morning, I think that we have to ask God to reveal to us what he wants us to know, what, where he wants us to grow. So let's go to God in prayer one more time today. Father in heaven, creator of the universe, we thank you so much that we can acknowledge who you are with our lips. Father, we thank you that when we acknowledge you with our hearts, you save us. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room this morning that has never acknowledged you in their heart, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Father, I pray that as we read your word today, that you would reveal to us the truth of it. Reveal to us what we need to grow, where we need to grow. We thank you, God, that it is, your word is alive, it's active, it's quicker than any two-edged sword piercing our spirit and soul. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7 says this, Timothy, dear son, be strong through the grace of God, through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that, I, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the, uh, uh, the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand these things. That last sentence, that's why we pray before we read the scripture this morning. Because the Lord has to help us understand these things. Hopefully, God will reveal something to you that will help your life, that will help you grow, that will help you uh, 
become a better follower of Jesus. Our focus verses are verses 3 through 6, but I, I wanted to include the first two verses, 1 and 2, and then um, the, the last verse, because we have to understand those for, for context. The Apostle Paul is writing his protege by the name of Timothy. And Timothy is at this church, and Paul is writing him, and what does he say to him first? He says, Timothy, be strong through the grace that God gives you. Be strong through the grace that God gives you. What, what, is, what is Paul telling Timothy here? It's, notice where Paul tells Timothy to get his strength. It's not from inside of him. It's not dig deep, Timothy. Dig deep and, 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 and look for the strength that's inside of you. No, no. It's from the grace that God gives you. What is Paul essentially telling Timothy here? He's telling Timothy, Timothy, before you teach these people, remember who you are. Remember the grace that saved you. And as he's saying, remember who you are, what is he telling him to remember? <laughs> remember your identity. Remember who gives you identity, who makes you who you are. It's not you. It's the grace that God gives you. Remember who you are, because if you're going to teach people, if you're going to teach people the truth of God's word, you're going to have to do it from a place of identity and not from a place of self. You have to. He goes on. Who does Paul tell Timothy to teach? Who does he tell him to teach? Trustworthy people. Teach these trustworthy people. Now, what does Paul go on to tell Timothy that trustworthy people do? What do they do? They go to other people and they teach other people. A trustworthy person will then take what they've learned and teach it to somebody else. And so, dare I say, the, another word for trustworthy is faithful. So this morning, real quick, right out of the gate, question for you, are you faithful? Are you trustworthy? Now, I know that I know how I am, and I put myself in your shoes a lot of times, and I'm thinking about what I'm thinking if I'm in the seats. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, yeah, I'm trustworthy. And then the preacher goes, trustworthy people teach other people. And then I'm going, oh, shoot. Who am I teaching? Who am I sharing with other people what God has shown me? A trustworthy person, someone that is faithful, that's truly faithful, shares what they learn. They share what they learn. It's always great to me. Yesterday, there was a, a, a really good college football game on TV. And it was between Alabama and Texas. Final score, 20 to 19. It was a great game. But you know what I loved most about that game? Was that the coach of Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, used to work for the coach of Alabama, Nick Saban. 
the student was playing the teacher. And you know what I, I saw? I saw that Nick Saban isn't just a good coach. He's a good teacher. Those that learn have to start to teach eventually. And that's one of the reasons why we do small groups. One of the reasons we do small groups is so that people can take what God is giving them and share it with other people. We, we don't want you just to stay where you're at. We always want, at the end of every service, we always say, we want people to move one step closer to Jesus. One step closer. For some of you, you've never been in church before. You've already taken that first step. Congratulations. Great job. But if you take the same next step next week, then you haven't really grown, have you? You have to do it again next week, and then you have to come in saying, what's my next step this morning? Well, maybe next, the next step is this, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God. Tomorrow morning I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to start to open my Bible on Monday and not just on Sunday. On Tuesday, not just on Sunday. On Wednesday, not just on Sunday. So what's the one step that you have to take to get you closer to the God that created you? That's, that's why we're here. We don't want to waste anybody's time because you know what, what part of that trustworthy people what, what, and why Paul is telling that to Timothy? You know why he's telling them? He's telling them, he's saying, Timothy, don't waste your time. Don't, don't waste your time by, by teaching people that aren't going to take what you're giving them and giving it to somebody else. The mission of the gospel, of what we are carrying, is far too great to waste your time with people that don't take it and give it to somebody else. It's far greater. So teach them, leave it up to them, and guess what? If they take it and give it to somebody else, continue to teach them. But if they don't, well, move on. In fact, there's a, there's a passage in Scripture where Jesus, um, it's, it's later on in the book of Matthew, and, and, and Jesus is telling his disciples, if go into someone's home, and if they receive you, stay. But if they don't, shake the dust off your feet and go. He, God doesn't want us to waste our time. He knows that it's a valuable commodity. And so he's telling, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, don't waste your time. Teach trustworthy people. But what is he telling them to teach trustworthy people? What's he telling them? He says, he starts out by saying, endure suffering along with me. Endure suffering along with me. You know what that word endure suffering means? Don't give up. Don't give up. He's telling Timothy, don't give up just like I haven't given up. You know what it's called when we give up? Surrendering. And that brings me to today's big idea. Today's big idea is if one thing, if I want you to get one thing out of today's message, it's this. 
The surrender that God wants is being surrendered without waving the white flag. The surrender that God wants is being surrendered without waving the white flag. Many of you thought when I said white flag, you thought I was going somewhere completely different. You thought I was going to start seeing Chris Tomlin. We raise our white flag. We surrender all to you. All to you. (laughs) That's the only time in this whole series that I'll sing white flag, by the way. I promise. I'm not saying that Chris Tomlin is wrong. We, We raise our white flag to Jesus. We surrender to him, yes. But we never give up. We can't give up. The surrender that God wants from us is surrender without waving our white flag. Now, let me explain it to you the way Paul does. Explained it to Timothy. Paul uses three examples of people that surrender without giving up, that endure. The first one is a soldier. The second one is an athlete, and the third one is a farmer. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about each one of these people and what it looks like for them not to surrender and to not give up. And then hopefully we can apply it to our lives. 2 Timothy 2.4, Paul said, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of the civilian life, for they cannot please an officer who they cannot, sorry, for then they can't please the officer who enlisted him. So here's what I want us to do as we look at these three examples. I want us to ask ourselves this question. How does this person surrender? How do they live surrendered? That's question one. Question two, how do they not give up? That's three. And then we're going to look at another thing that I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. So the first question is, how does a soldier surrender? What What does a soldier surrender? Well, a soldier surrenders his civilian life. In fact, a soldier leaves his father and his mother. What did Jesus tell the disciples that they must do? They must leave their father and mother, take up their cross, and follow me. Paul knew what he was talking about. He said, you have to surrender your civilian life just like a soldier does. And so then how does a soldier not give up? How do they, how do they maintain that? And, and the way that they do that is by trying their best to please who? the officer who enlisted him. Paul, Paul broke it all down. He broke it all down for us. They surrender by leaving the civilian lifestyle. They don't give up by trying to please the officer who enlisted them, trying to please the commanding officer, whoever it is that is directly in front of you. That's who you're trying to please. And I think that there's a, there's a truth here, a deep truth, that if Christians were to grasp the hold of it, it will transform our lives and our churches all across America. And the thing that Paul is teaching Timothy is you have to teach people to live in the middle. Here's what I, what, what I mean by that. So a soldier, 
he answers to his commander. The com- he surrenders to his commander. The commander, um, the, the person in front of him, they represent God. The soldier is then underneath the commander. They represent the believer, the per- person following Jesus. They represent us. But who is the soldier fighting for? The soldier is fighting for his commander, but he's also fighting for the civilians at home. He's fighting for their freedom. He's fighting for them. And so who are the civilians in this case? Who are the civilians that we're supposed to fight for as believers? Who do they represent? I want to submit to you this morning that civilians are the people that don't know Jesus yet. As a follower of Jesus, I have to live surrendered to my my Father in heaven, but I have to fight for the people that don't know him. I have to fight for them by telling them about them, by telling them about him, by praying for them, by hanging out with them so that they can see the Jesus inside of me and want to be like him. And I have to fight for the people that don't know Jesus. I have to serve. I have to serve them. I have to be there for them. Pointing them to Jesus. Always pointing them to Jesus. Always with the mission in mind of pointing them to Jesus. I'm guilty of hanging out with non-Christian friends and not pointing them to Jesus. Not doing it with intent, not doing it with the mission in mind. So a soldier lives in the middle because you got the commander, which represents God. You got the soldier that represents us. You got the civilians that represent the people that don't know Jesus yet. The second person that Paul uses in his example to Timothy, teach people, teach trustworthy people these things. The second one was the athlete. The athlete. Paul talks about in verse 5. And athletes cannot win a prize unless they follow the rules. He gets a little bit more condensed. He condenses it just a little bit. How does an athlete surrender? Paul tells us they surrender by, they surrender to the, the rules. They have to follow the rules. Otherwise, they get disqualified. Otherwise, they lose. And so, so they have to be submitted to the rules. But then they can't give up. Because when an athlete gives up, what happens? What happens? They lose. As a believer in Jesus, we don't lose. I've got good news for you. We are victorious in Jesus. We can't give up. We can't give up because there is a victory in front of us, and we get to share our victories with our friends. We get to share our victory with them because Jesus loved them so much that he died for them. That's the best news we can share with anybody. Why aren't we sharing it with people? Why aren't we telling others? The best news that I've ever had 
if you're here and you're you're just you're here just trying to figure things out, I want you to know that Jesus loved you so much that he laid down his life for you so that you can come into a relationship with the God that created you. He gave it all. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's the gospel. That's from the book of Romans. It's the gospel. It's the best news ever. And we get to share it with other people. So the athlete lives in the middle. How do they live in the middle? Well, they answer to who? Who does an athlete answer to? They answer to a coach, right? But they answer to more than just a coach, especially as you move up in the ranks, right? So a professional athlete, they answer to the coach, but they also answer to the league. They answer to the commissioner. And this is where I get to tell you that the NFL kicks off today at 1 o'clock. <laughs> the New England Patriots are playing the Miami Dolphins. And no one likes Roger Goodell. <laughs> right? Because the athletes, even professional athletes, have someone that they answer to. They have someone in front of them. They have a, they have a coach or a commissioner. They have rules that they follow. The athlete, they represent the believer, the follower. But I love this example because who is it that represents the people that don't know Jesus in that life of an athlete? Who is it? Who do you think it is? It's the fans. The fans that cheer them on. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, but Pastor Adam, you don't understand. I've got some friends that know I'm a follower of Jesus and they hate me because of it. They are not my fans. You know what I love about about fan criticism. I'm not that fan, by the way. I always cheer for my team, and I never boo them. Any other booers in the house? Boo. Now's your, now's your invitation to boo me. You can do that. No, I'm just kidding. But the thing that I love about fan criticism is that it motivates the, the, the athlete to get better. And as a follower of Jesus, and using an athlete as our example when our friends that don't know Jesus share some fan criticism, I want you to know that that's our opportunity to get better. It's our opportunity to love them more. It's our opportunity to show them the way of Jesus. That's how an athlete lives in the middle. They answer to the, the rules. They answer or then, 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 them and us, then the fans. They represent the person that doesn't know Jesus yet. Finally, the last example that Paul uses is the example of a farmer. Now, this is my favorite example out of all three. Now, some of you might think that it was, might have thought that the athlete was my favorite because of my stunning athleticism. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm, I, I said in the first service, I'm a well-rounded guy because, um, well, uh, because in a minute I'm going to reference a country song, and I reference Chris Tomlin and a country song, so I'm well-rounded in many ways. Um, but but <laughs> you thought it was athleticism, but it's not. It's a it's farmer because I'm I'm just a boy from the cornfields of Illinois, and uh, because I I've got friends. A lot of my friends in Illinois are, are farmers, and um, farmers interest me a lot. 
they interest me for many reasons. Um, one, one of my things about farmers that's really intriguing to me is that a farmer, like, when I was in high school, I didn't go to school with people that said they want to be farmers when they get older. You know why? Because all of them were farmers already. <laughs> like, they were already getting up at 4 a.m. to go out and milk the cows and do what farmers do in the cornfields and things like that. Because they get up early when the sun comes, comes up. They go to bed when the sun comes down. They are hard workers. And every single example that Paul uses are examples of people that are hard workers. The soldier is a hard worker. The athlete is a hard worker. The farmer is a hard worker. Believers in Jesus should be the hardest workers. But what should we work for? We should work for our friends knowing Jesus, finding their identity in him. That's what we have to get to know Jesus better for so that we can share him with other people. Are you with me? So the farmer uh, in verse 6 says, and the hardworking farmers, I love that Paul tells us they're hard workers. The hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. This example that Paul uses is so interesting to me. So how does a farmer surrender? I, again, it's probably my favorite one because you know what a farmer surrenders to? He doesn't have rules. Well, I'm sure they have some sort of rules and regulations, but it's not that the rules that he follows. He completely surrenders to the God that sends the rain that makes the crops grow. He completely surrenders to the God that fertilizes the soil to make it fertile for the crop to grow. God is responsible. Listen, the farmer does the work, but God causes the crop, crops to grow. There's not one farmer that in the, in, in, in the summer of a drought, whenever there's a drought, it's not that one farmer has figured it out and that everybody else is suffering from the drought. All the, all the farmers are suffering from the drought when there's a drought. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That when there's a, like, that God is ultimately responsible for the crop to grow. So how do they not quit? Well, they don't quit because if they, don't, if they do quit, guess what? There's no food on the table for him or for me, for you or for us. Like there's no food if the farmer quits. He can't quit. Aurelius Augustinus said this. He said, pray as though everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you. This represents the farmer better than anything I've ever heard. The farmer has to be submitted to God. Pray as though everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. So the farmer, as he submits, he submits to, he surrenders to God. Then the farmer then represents the believer, the people that follow Jesus. Finally, and this is probably my favorite example of all, the last one. What, what is it that the farmer does it for? He actually doesn't do it for the people that he puts the fruit on, the, the, the food on the table for. He does it for the crop. He does it for the fruits of his labor. 
Paul says the farmer is the first one to enjoy the fruits of his labor. He does it for the fruit of his labor. He does it for the crop. Can I say this? He does it for the harvest. He does it for the reward. That's why we tell our friends about Jesus, because there is a reward. Jesus said that the harvest truly is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers, workers, to help you gather the big harvest. I want you to know today that we have got to learn to live in the middle. Because there's a harvest of people that are searching and looking for a king. And we have that king. And he wants to be shared. One of my favorite quotes that I read um, when I was in youth ministry was actually from an atheist. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say it word for word. It was, um, it was actually uh, Penn Tiller. And uh, you can look up the video. But Penn Tiller said something to the lines of, of how hateful can it be for someone to believe in a Jesus that loved people so much that he died for them to give them eternal salvation and yet not share it with other people. How can we not share the greatest gift that's ever been given? The greatest gift that I've ever received. How can I not share that? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. As we pray this morning, I've got three quick questions as a reflection. Last week we began. Uh, we began. Do I, I just got convicted that uh, we always give a response at the end of our service. But we just kind of leave it up to you. Just, you can stand in your seat. You can, you can process however you want. You can still do that. But last week, we started to give an invitation for people to come forward and to pray at the altar, front of the stage, to lay whatever it is at the altar. And you can still come forward and you can pray with Dave or Brooke. They're up here. They want to pray with you. They'll help. The, if you come to the stage and you pray, someone will come and pray with you. We'll sing a song in just a moment. And during that song, you're welcome to come forward. But the three questions I want you to ask yourself this morning are this. Are you faithful? Number one. Are you faithful? If so, how are you faithful? What are some things that you're doing to show that you're a faithful person, that you're trustworthy, 
do you have someone that you're pouring into about Jesus? That you're telling them of his love intentionally? Number two, are you surrendered? Next week, we're going to talk about the problem of surrender and what keeps people from surrendering. But ask yourself, are you surrendered? Finally, the last question, are you living in the middle? Are you living in the middle? Are you sharing Jesus with others by being surrendered to him and meeting with people that don't know him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that there is an answer to all of our problems, all of our questions. His name is Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has never given you their hearts, God, I pray that they would come and they would talk to Brooke, talk to Dave, they would come to the altar and someone would meet with them and they would learn how they can give their heart over to you. But Father, for the believer, the person that knows Jesus, I pray today that they would begin living their lives in the middle. Father, that you would put the name of someone on their hearts this morning. That they need to tell of your wonderful love. That they need to share your wonderful love with. Father, I pray that you be with this time of response. That you would speak to our hearts and show us, God, just like Paul talked about in the end of the scriptures that we read this morning, that you would reveal to us what we need to grow. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song. These altars are open.